0: Let us open up in prayer. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verse 2 tonight. Lord, thank you again for allowing us to gather tonight. Uh, I ask that you would uh, move tonight through the preaching of your word that your Holy Spirit would uh, seal my lips that I speak nothing of myself but that the truth of Your Word, the truth of who You are, the truth of what You've done and what You're doing in us would uh, be growing down deep in the soul of our hearts and our lives that we would be fruitful for You throughout this week, that You would fill us up tonight, that we could be useful for You. I thank You for Christ. I thank You for the cross. I thank You for the work that You've allowed us to put in in digging through Your Scriptures up to this point in Romans. And I thank You uh, for what is left to come. It's in Christ's name. For his glory to all the world. It's in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verse 2. I want to flip back briefly to Romans chapter 8 and look at verses 5 through 8 just to kind of read through it. This is not what we're going to see some ideas here that this is not the first time that these things have been brought up to us. But now what we're going to find is as Paul's starting to get to the more practical, how we apply. Uh, this gospel truth that we've been digging into, into our lives in very practical ways that that r- will really literally transform us uh, from day to day. Uh, I want us to be reminded that this truth that we hold to and hope for is rooted in the gospel that Paul had been so tirelessly pushing into. So Romans chapter 5, we're going to read 5 through For those who live according to the flesh set their minds. And if you would recall back to when we were looking at these particular passages of Scripture, I I pointed out how often mind is used here, and I alluded to where we were going and where we're going to be tonight. Uh, So I just want to kind of refresh you so that maybe you can go back and look. So if you are wondering tonight, how is it that we're transformed in our minds? What is doing this? What is pushing this forward? I want us to be reminded that our hope is fixed in the work of Christ and it is pressed forward In every way by the power of the Holy Spirit working out in us. So Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not to submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So from this Scripture, where should we be setting our minds? On God? On the Spirit? We should be setting our, th- our minds, our thoughts, our hearts. We should be directing our lives in accordance with the Spirit. God's plan. Not on what? Not on the flesh? Not on selfish desires. How do we know it tends to be selfish desires if it's downward looking? Right? If the end of those desires is dust, if we could look at it through the lens of the book of Ecclesiastes and call it vanity, then in all likelihood it is of the flesh. Right? That is not to say that all desires that we have are sinful. Right? But I want us to be very, very careful when we think about the way that we view this world, when we think about the way that we live our lives here. I do not want us to be living in such a way that when we step forward into eternity, we've left everything behind here that we work so hard for, right? Right? We're going to carry much with us if we're in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, in the Spirit. And that will be the souls of those that God has led us to and used our resources to reach, right? So I want us to think heavenly. I want us to think spiritually. I want our minds to be fixed on those kind of thoughts as we kind of dig in, as we start listening and, and considering the truth. The truth that we're going to see in Romans chapter 12 now. So just because it's a short verse and I, and I love the way that it opens up, we're going to start in verse 1. But the focus is going to be verse 2 tonight. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Right? Let's remember that we are family. We are the church. By the mercies of God, let us remember as well that we've gotten to where we are and we will press on by nothing more than the, the mercies of God. To present our bodies as living sacrifices. We live, church, we live because Christ laid His life down. We're holy and acceptable to God because Christ laid His life down. And in living and presenting our lives to God in the way that we live, we find that this, in fact, is spiritual worship. This is the way that we worship God by the way that we live day to day. And then Paul continues in verse two, do not be conformed to this world. What does he mean by this? And what does he not mean by this is what I want us to consider briefly. What does he not mean by do not be conformed to this world? He doesn't mean to not, not to go out or not to be a part of, right? He doesn't mean that all of you are to quit your secular jobs and take up jobs that are only found within the church doors, right? He doesn't mean to withdraw yourself completely from the culture that you are a part of, right? You are an American citizen, and he does not call you away from that. Right? Now he calls you away from much that your friends and neighbors and society call you towards. He's calling you away from those things, many of them. But he does not call you out of your culture. He's called you in your culture so that you could be a part of changing that culture for him. Right? He's about changing the culture that he calls you from. Not removing you from it. So that they're like, you know, I I know that Christians exist, but I never seem to run into them. They never seem to be around. They're always up in their high towers looking down on us, telling us how sinful we are. But never do I come in contact with one. Never Never do I know or interact with why they believe the way they believe. Never have I had a conversation with them about their stand on homosexuality. Never had a, have I had a conversation with them on what they believe in this area or that. Because they've so withdrawn themselves and hidden themselves away. And the world would suspect that, that we've done that because the way that we live or the way that we view is is weird and can't hold up to scrutiny. So has He called us out of... No. Then what is He telling us not to conform ourselves to? What is it that we're not supposed to conform ourselves to? The sins? The patterns? I want us to explore patterns here. What patterns are we not su- supposed to conform ourselves to? All right, when we think of patterns, now I, I, I want to say this is good, and we're going to kind of press into this idea of Patterns just a little bit. Patterns, practices, customs. Now I want to sh- I want to say one one extreme. This is just something that off the top of my head, I think of patterns, customs like Halloween, right? And you will find people that it's like you let your kids dress up as what? Don't you know Harry Potter's of the devil? Like I've heard, I say that because I've actually heard that kind of that kind of thing. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So, so should we just pull ourselves away? Now, here's what I want to say. So something that the church, I believe the church is doing very effectively in this is that I think there was a time where there was some absolutely, you just, we just pull away from that day with nothing to do with it. And now we find fall festivals. And it is actually, I think, at least in the area, more common to hear it called fall festivals than trick or treating, which is like, and that's happened within likely a generation cuz when i was growing up it was straight up it was straight up trick or treating now now you tend to hear fall festival so what is that is that drawing away or is that becoming a part of and changing the culture of things right now if you're practicing wicca or if you're a wizard in real life like back away from that stuff for real, of the devil. Harry Potter's just a movie, but if you're really like mixing stuff up and saying chants, like that's scary. I don't, I don't know that you realize how scary. That, like, take yourself out of the sinful patterns and practices, but don't withdraw yourselves from the culture. So let's understand that what God is not calling us to as believers is extracting ourselves out and away from cultures right like you're southern born right don't be ashamed of it if you're southern be southern right if you like to drive big trucks drive big trucks right you like to wear boots and say you haul that whole thing like that's you you're going to be country you can't take that out of you right so it's okay to be who you are let's let's, let's find the places what it is that we're supposed to extract ourselves Out of, and I want to say that this is not always cut and dry, and I want us to see also that in this scripture we're going to find that, that, that the, the truth that we're told here is that it's not going to always be straight cut and dry. Right? There's possibility. Can I open your minds to something? That there is possibility that you as a Christian, trying to do what God would have you do, would make mistakes. Do y'all believe me in that? That it is absolutely possible that you, as a believer, trying to make the right choice, make the wrong choice. Do we want to do that? Of course not. But it's quite possible, right? Because God doesn't say in here, "Go to the University of Alabama" or "Go to the University of Auburn." But some of you could pick, and I, <laughs> some of you could pick Auburn. See, I'm not even—I'm not even a huge fan. I just knew that that would cause some dividing there. Or you could choose Alabama. It's according to which side you fall on. Go Blazers, UAB. Was it was it Auburn or Alabama? I'll step back from that. One. All right. So let us can we can we can we understand that there are some life decisions. That that you're going to read and study and discern, and you're going to pick, right? Like whether or not you go to Honduras with us here in June or July when Shane goes back, or in November, you're not going to open this book up and you're not going to find where it says, you know, like your name goes on this date. You're going to pray, you're going to ask God's guidance, and then you are going to make decisions, right? This is the Christian life. We pray, seek discernment. How do we know that we're making good decisions? How do we know that we're making good decisions? Do not be conformed to this world. Now, when we think about this conforming, when we think about these patterns, these practices, what is it that we should pull ourselves away from? What should we step into and be like, hey, I'm here, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to show you the way that God works in this setting. How do we discern those? Um, One thing that I want us to point us to is, is how He ties this, do not be conformed, To the idea of being transformed. So do not be conformed to this world, but. And then what does he say? But be transformed by what? How are we transformed? So you have been changed as a believer forever. Positionally, you are fixed by your faith in the work that Christ has done. Yet you still stumble, you still fall, you still sin. What is the first place? And it's so unfortunate because so many times, this is the place most neglected by us. Right? This is the place most neglected by us. It is our minds. Right? How are you, as a believer, to conform yourself to the patterns and practices God would have for you, and not that the world would have for you? By studying His Word. By spending time in God's Word. And I could just stop there. And then we could consider why it is that we don't. That is the simple truth. That to transform your mind, you must spend time considering who God is, what He's done. And we do that through His Word. Yet how often is it that we find ourselves being transformed by what's on the television? Or what's on the computer screen. Or what we're seeing coming through our phones, our devices. Your mind constantly is being bombarded. You are being told at every avenue what you should be thinking and what you should be doing. And you're cool if you wear this or don't wear this. Right? If you look like this... Or you don't look like this. If you act like this. Or don't act like this. And you think that way. And it drives the way that you live. So that you have to have this particular car. Because the job that you have. And the status that you're at. Says that if you don't drive that. They won't know. So if I make a hundred grand, I better sure drive a car that looks like I make a hundred grand. Right? Because if I don't want, I'm gonna drive to work and my friend's gonna be like, what about that dirty Mustang I heard Whee! as it rolled up into the parking deck, man? How are you ever gonna be the boss driving a hoopty like that? Right? Like, that's, like, that's what we're gonna have to, because what does the world say? You look a little different, man. You act a little different. So, I want us to think about these things. Now, if you, if your car doesn't whine when you turn the steering wheel, you're good. It doesn't have to whine. You don't have to be there, you know. Maybe I'm a little more holy than you. I can. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The the amount of wine in your steering wheel does not determine your holiness factor. Okay. It determines that you have to put power steering fluid in that thing on the regular. Okay? For real. This is this is true. All right. So we need to transform the way we think. And how do we transform the way we think? We look at how God has told us to live. And we can see in this book the patterns and practices of men who tried and failed. Women who tried and failed. We can see what their lives look like. We can be led by their examples. We can draw from their knowledge, their understanding, their faithfulness or unfaithfulness. We can dig into this book and we can see lives... That in the world's eyes looked very, very, very much like it failed completely. And yet you and I are here because of their in the world's eyes life that failed completely. Like we believe this truth because men lived strangely in the cultures that God had placed them, called them from, sent them back into. Right? So I don't want us to think, pull yourself out in a way. Right? Now, there may be times in your life that you are pulled away from certain situations because God is needing to prepare you and ready you. Right? But that does not mean that everything that you were once a part of, that you have to be, you can't go to the races on the weekend or you can't go to football games or whatever, right? God's changing you. How? By the renewing of your mind. Sending you out into a world, into a path that only you will ever walk. Coming in contact with people in places, only you will go there. And He's changing you. How? By renewing your mind. By changing the way that you think. By transforming you. Who you are, the way you live, sanctifying you. Through the power of His Holy Spirit, setting your mind on spiritual things. How can you go to a football game and your mind be fixed on spiritual things? I want to tell you that it can. I want to tell you that it can. That as your team is running and winning national championships, or not winning national championships, you can say with the conversations of those around you, do you know how crazy it is that God has made us in such a way that, that there are some of us, and not all of us, who can run like four 240s? How crazy is it that God would give people special gifts to use in certain ways that He could make Himself known? And I want you to know that everything like that, that is not a sinful thing that needs to be ripped out, is something that God can use. Those things that you enjoy to do. Hunters. Do we got hunters in here? I know we got hunters in here. Could you take a young buck with you? Teach him about Jesus as you hunt. Can you do it? Can you disciple there? Can we be disciple makers in those places? How many of you have? How many of you have? In these things. You are working out this truth that God is working into us, right? So I want us to be transformed in the way that we think about how we can share the gospel, right? where you can share the Gospel, I want you to understand that when you set your mind on spiritual things, you will find that everything that you do, you can, sh- you can show someone something about who God is and something about what He has done. He has made all of these things. And He is redeeming. He is redeeming us, this world that we see around us, And this is why I say uh, when we were looking at the resurrection, like a big view of the resurrection, right? A big view of what heaven will look like helps us to see maybe a picture of what God's doing and why it is that He hasn't just done away with every Christian. I believe, poof, I'm in heaven, right? Maybe you're meant to change the place that you live, eat, and work, right? Maybe He's left you so that you can work there. For his glory. And you won't do this. You won't do this if your minds are not set on spiritual things. If all that concerns you is the score at the end of the game or who wins the race. But if our minds are transformed so that we see God working, then we'll live in ways that show that. But be transformed. And how are we transformed by the renewal of your mind? How does this play out of what we've been looking at so far? Um, and then we'll I wanna I wanna list. I kind of listed quickly I came up with seven. These were seven things that as as I was digging through, just trying to think about what we've learned or some things that I see as common misconceptions as we're kind of pressing into the gospel, some areas that I hope our own minds have through the last however many weeks it's taken us to get up to this point, uh, some misconceptions that I've seen not only in uh, one or two, but oftentimes some of these in... And many that i 've heard in conversations here and in other places, so these are just general misconceptions that we have these misconceptions about God Christ uh, man in general um, and the gospel so i 've got seven here that that hopefully because as we were going through this, I was trying to point out these things so i want to I want us to consider, and I hope that you can you would have your own things uh, that as we were going through the book of Romans up to this point, that God has refined and changed your mind or your understanding on things. I want us to see that in spending serious time in God's word, that God, in fact, does change our minds, change our hearts, change our desires. Um, So these are, I'm going to list these are misconceptions, all right? So I'm going to read these out. Um, They're in no particular order, uh, apart from if you were to go through the book of Romans from beginning to where we are, they would come up and Somewhat this order. So one misconception is that sin is not a serious concern, right? Sin is not a serious concern. And I've got on the back um, kind of the antithesis of this. So uh, the truth that we have seen in Romans is that all have sinned and fallen short. So not only is sin a serious concern, it is of the utmost importance. Uh, Number two, there's a general misconception that we are born good. Right? We've touched on this a couple of different times. This is a misconception that we have even within the church. Uh, The truth that we find as we dig through Romans is that we are born in sin and we are slaves of sin from birth needing a Savior to set us free from sin. Number three, that we can work for God's approval. This manifests itself in multiple different ways, but the truth is, is that even many Christians, you think that you're standing before God, your favor with Him is, is solely dependent on whether you did good or bad today. Um, that is very much uh, a misconception. Uh, the truth is, as is, is God's Word tells us in Romans chapter 3, for by works of the law, no man be justified. So we need something. We need something more. Uh, verse four or excuse me, not verse four, but uh, a fourth thing is that Jesus simply gives us a clean slate. Friends, I, I hope it's clear that Jesus does more than clean your slate. Um, Jesus offers his own righteous life and takes our sin upon himself on the cross. Jesus does not just Clean the slate for us. He presents us. And we rest. The reason that we stand justified before God today. As people who still fail. Is because we don't rest in our failings or successes. But we rest in the completed work of Christ on the cross. He has given to us his righteousness. And in our place on the cross has taken our sin. Um, the fifth thing is that we we believe that the bad things in our life, the evil that happens in our life, has no purpose. Um, what I hope is clear through Romans eight twenty eight through thirty is that God works all things, both good and bad, together for the good of us, His people, His church. Um, the sixth thing, uh, we, have, we have this, and six and seven are somewhat combined. Uh, the idea that God's not in control, um, that God's not in total control. Um, God is, has always been, and will always be in complete control. Number seven, which goes along with six there, is that Satan is somehow in a power struggle with God. Like, man, how often do we find this? misconception in the church. I hope that we've been doing a job of weeding this idea out. Satan is not in a power struggle with God. There is no chance that he wins in the end, right? If we look at the book of Job, we see Satan coming before God and Satan's bounds are set. He can go no farther than God gives him permission to go. Right? No farther. God is in control. Satan is not struggling for power. He is little more than an angry dog on a leash. God is in complete control. These are are truths that we've been uh, digging out. And what have these been doing for us? I pray that these truths have been changing the way that we see our life. See our purpose in life. See where we should not be wasting our time and where we should be setting our focus. Right? God transforms us. Does He transform us to live as we used to live? No, He transforms us to live lives for His glory and His purpose. Alright? So, chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your Minds that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Now here's what I want us to see here. And I kind of alluded to this a little bit uh, earlier. Do you you get this? Do y'all get that he doesn't say transform your minds. And when you transform your minds, all your decisions tomorrow will be the right decisions. Do y'all see that he's saying... that he's not saying transform your minds or spend a little bit of time in God's Word today and tomorrow, all the answers will make themselves known to you? Do Do we understand that this is going to be something that we do? That we continue in? That we walk in all the days of our lives? This transforming, this renewing, this discerning? I want you to know that if you spend time in God's Word, if God's Spirit pushes you further and further into him, into the truth of what he who he is and what he is doing. I want I want you to get that your discernment will improve. That your decision making abilities will improve. Right? This is the truth. But here's the thing, it's going to require testing. There are going to be times in each and every one of your lives, very practically, where you don't know what decision is right, and both of them look good. Both of them look like good options. And you're going to be like, Lord, I don't know. And and what should I do? I'm going, to, I'm going to flip. And maybe I can find something in Proverbs, or maybe I can find something in Psalms. That's not a bad place to go. Go into God's Word. Pray. But don't be indecisive. Right? Your failings as a Christian are covered by the blood of Christ. Dustin said it perfectly in class tonight. When Christ was crucified. Buried and resurrection, resurrected, every one of your sins was a future sin. Every one of them. Your failings are covered. So don't let your failings or fear of failing cause you to do nothing. Are y'all with me? Is this got any kind of practical application? Right? As believers, there are going to be times that you just have to pull the trigger and do it. Trusting in God. Trusting in God. That He will catch you. And that He will lead you. And that He will teach you. And that even your bad decisions are working together for good. Because He is sovereign, even over your bad decisions. Even over your bad decisions. So I want us to leave tonight um, on that on that thought. I want us to kind of just close here. We're going to do music afterwards. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I kind of got a I I got a feeling that that some of you um, may be kind of there. Um, that as a believer, um, you got options before you, and both of them, or. Many of them look like the right way, um, and you don't you don't know which one to, to choose. Um, can't we rest? Can't we rest in the fact that He is sovereign, even when we choose the wrong things? because like, we can step into that, we can step into that trusting trusting in Him because He's sufficient even when we make the ba- the wrong decisions, even when we choose the wrong path. And He is faithful in all of this. So I want us to close with that. Lord, I thank You for who You are. I thank You for what You've done. Lord, I pray that as a church, as believers, we would be pressing deeper and deeper into Your Word, that we would... On a daily basis, Lord, not just as we come into these church doors, not just as we hear preachers and teachers, Lord, but that in our quiet time, in our homes, on our rides to work, we would be listening, considering, Lord, wherever, that we would constantly be reflecting, that your Holy Spirit would draw to remembrance. Lord, there's probably some here tonight who are like, How could I reflect on God's Word? whenever I'm driving down the road, doesn't He know that that's crazy to drive and read? And I would say to them, He's given you a mind that you could remember the Scriptures. You could quote John 3.16. You can remember no more than that. Lord, that You would drive us into Your Word so much so that when we don't have it, it bubbles up from within us. Lord, that Your Word would be written on our hearts. That You would teach us that You would lead us, that You would give us hearts that would cherish Your Word, that You would change our minds, our thoughts, that we would be transformed. Lord, let us not think that we can lay Your Word aside and hope to see our lives changed. Let us be in Your Word, transformed by Your Word daily. Let us understand that it is no small thing that we have Your Word in a language that we can read. Lord, I thank You for that. What a blessing that is. Lord, for those who may have decisions that are weighing on them, and either way seems just as good, I pray that You would give them wisdom. I pray that You would give them discernment. And I pray that You would give them the strength to step out knowing that You are faithful. And that you knew what that decision would be long before they ever made it. Lord, I thank you that our hope does not rest in us, but it rests in Christ. Lord, in all that we do, in in all the ways that we live out our lives, in all the different and various places, Lord, I pray that the truth of the gospel would be driven down so deeply into us that there is not a place that you could put us that we would not be able to lead those who do not know You to Your sweet, sweet hope. Lord, it's in Christ's name.